So welcome back again to the program. My name is John Keeley. I'm still joined and did in the Skype line by Shannon Bros. And delighted to be joined again this morning. Um, we spoke before Christmas to a good friend from Glenstall Abbey, um, Father Luke McNamara. Good morning to you, Father Luke. How are you? Good morning, John. Thank you very much, Dave, for joining us again. And the reason why we, we made contact with Father Luke again was... Um, that, Father, you have something else coming up in the Abbey more recently, uh, shortly, um, a series of talks entitled Lent, in the, Lent at the Abbey. Maybe you can tell us about that before we go into your reflection on Lent, please. Well, basically, John, um, we're running a series of talks every Sunday at 4.30 on the readings of the Easter Vigil. <coughs> and many of your listeners will have been possibly to an Easter Vigil in their parish and there is a long line of readings and they very, get very little time to reflect on them and so what we're proposing to do is to take one reading each Sunday and to explore that um, through a talk and then um, we've invited some outside speakers and some of the brothers in the community as well to give uh, explanations and and to, to explore, really, with those who come, these uh, very uh, fundamental readings for our faith, and the history of our beginnings in Genesis chapter 1, the, the story of the sacrifice of Isaac, a very difficult uh, passage for people, and um, we'll be exploring on the second week, and then the crossing of the Red Sea, the liberation of the Hebrews from Egypt, and so fundamental uh, a theme to to all our lives, liberation from sin, liberation from all that separates us from God. And then uh, some lovely passages in the later prophets where we speak about the um, discovering God in the desert uh, in Isaiah and then uh, more on Isaiah in the penultimate week. And then finally, we move to Ezekiel and the wonderful... Um, valley of the dry bones where people come to life and the water and the new water of life as well that Ezekiel speaks about. Many of these themes of course will link with baptism which we celebrate at Easter and so in a sense it's an opportunity both to better understand the Easter vigil but also to better understand our baptism um, and that's why we're, we're looking at these readings in particular because in any given parish um, a priest has very little time after all these readings to speak on any of them, and generally they speak on the gospel. So it's to give people an opportunity to explore these readings, um, which they wouldn't normally get to hear about, and yet they're so central to our faith. They've been specifically chosen for the Easter Vigil, for this the most holy of nights in the Christian calendar. These readings are chosen for a reason, because they're so crucial to our understanding of our faith. And so that's why we're giving them such special attention this year. It is hoped as well afterwards that we'll compile these talks and have them in a book. And we'll hopefully get that published uh, sometime next year. So in time for next year's. Uh, so if you missed the talks this year, you might be able to read the book uh, for next year. Thank you for that, Father Luke. Um, now, they start next Sunday, the 18th of February, I think it is, and they write their way through to... Um, to the 25th of March, and March. they take place in what, the, the, the 
each Sunday in the Glenstall Abbey Library. That's right. They take place in our library at 4.30 and they run for about an hour. And then afterwards we have tea and coffee. And then people um, often opt to stay for the sung Vespers on Sunday, which are very solemn and very beautiful. So that's been the pattern that we had for Advent. And we repeat that pattern now for the talks in, in Lent. Thank you for that, Father Luke. Now, we'll certainly keep on reminding people each week um, on the programme of the progress weeks and maybe what's been emphasised the following Sunday in your talks. But as well as letting us know about that, Father Luke, you also very graciously um, said that you give us a reflection on Lent this year. Where would you like to start with that? Well, I suppose the first thing that one might say about Lent is why is it and uh, where does it come from, this period? And it, it's quite, it's quite um, a long season to lead into Easter, and it's really due to the importance of Easter. Easter is the central feast of the Christian calendar, and over time, Christians began to think they needed time to prepare for this most special uh, uh, feast of the year. And originally, it was the Easter was the special time for baptism, when people would be baptized, and most of the people who were originally baptized would have been adults. And the period of Lent was a special time of preparation for baptism. And so, the originally Lent was not uh, intended as such simply to be a preparation for Easter but specifically to be a preparation for baptism. Now, you might ask, why did everybody else do it? Well, the the reason was that the community together uh, used to join in with with the people preparing for baptism, the catechumens, join in the practice of of, uh, prayer and fasting and almsgiving. The, The Lenten practices that we know, those would have been the practices of the catechumens as they prepared for baptism. They would have also had uh, extra prayers. They would have gone to the, at the Sunday uh, Eucharist, they would have been special prayers and the community would be gathered around them. And so Lent was a journey that everybody made together to help those who were preparing for baptism. And then over time, it also became a time for the others to remember their baptism. So there's this very strong baptismal uh, uh, mark or imprint on the season of Lent. Where, and at uh, the Easter vigil and at Easter, we will celebrate our baptism. And we, uh, we have the Easter water and we will have the sprinkling with the, with the holy water the, of, of our, to recall our baptism at Easter. So that's a very strong element to Easter. But that's how Lent first developed as a preparation period for baptism at Easter. And the length of time actually originally was only three weeks. Um, But over time, it became elongated to 40 days. And the reason was that there is the 40 years of the Hebrews in the desert that they wandered before they came to the Holy Land. And then there was the 40 days of Jesus in the desert with the temptation. So the number 40 was seen to be important. And so they wanted to make Lent 40 days. So 
Lent then would have started on the first Sunday of Lent and you would have had 40 days leading up to Easter. Now, you might say uh, Lent doesn't start on a Sunday now, and I'll explain what happened. You cannot fast on a Sunday. In ancient times and, and even till today, Sunday is the day when we celebrate the Lord's resurrection. Even in Lent, we celebrate the Lord's resurrection on a Sunday. And so Sunday cannot be a day of fasting or penance because it's a joyful day. It's the day of the resurrection. And so you subtract. Um, we have six weeks in, in, in before Easter in Lent. So six sevens is 42. You subtract six days and that gives us um, 36 days. So we've only 36 fasting days then for, for Lent. And so we had to move back then to Ash Wednesday. We had to get four extra days. And that's that's how we got to go back to the Wednesday. So so people don't understand sometimes, why do we start this season on a Wednesday when we always start Advent on a Sunday and we end Easter tide on a Sunday and we if we end Christmas tide with the baptism of the Lord on a Sunday. Why does this season start on a Wednesday? And that's the reason, because we had to have 40 fast days to prepare for our baptism at Easter, or to help those who are preparing for the baptism at Easter. The other interesting thing is people often ask, why do we have ashes on Wednesday? And there's there's a, a traditional um, reason for this is that the the Ash Wednesday, the Mass used to be celebrated in Rome by the Pope uh, in the Church of St. Anastasia. And the Pope would move from that church to St. Sabina. And he still does this uh, journey today where he gives the ashes to the people. But as the procession moved up the hill to St. Sabina's church, they would sing an antiphon. And that antiphon goes as such, let us change our garments for ashes and sackcloth. Let's, let us fast and lament before the Lord, for great in mercy is our God to forgive our sin. And that comes from Joel 2, verse 13. And the people sang this year after year, and gradually over time, not in Rome, but actually in Germany, first of all, people said, well, we're, we're singing this, let us change our garments for ashes, but we're not doing anything. So the Germans up in Mainz and in the German, in the Holy Roman Empire, began to uh, receive ashes uh, as we do today. And then over time, that, that custom was transferred to Rome. So the ashes, it really was an enactment of the, of the chanting. Of, it came from, and it came really from, from the people rather than from, from the church at Rome, which is interesting, something that, that came from the periphery to the centre. But we have two formula which we have at Ash Wednesday. One is regarded as maybe outdated some, by some people. Remember that you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. And the second is repent and believe the good news. The second one comes from Mark 1.15. And it's, it's good. It, 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 it's it's a, a good moral exhortation to us at the beginning of the season. But the other is perhaps more profound. Remember that you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. This is what 
was spoken to Adam and Eve after the fall. And it recalls our sin and our mortality. And it's probably good to do that because the journey of Lent is a journey from death to new life. And people uh, uh, today try to keep death out of sight and out of mind. But we Christians, we are about death to life, being dying to, to this mortal life, to be born into new life. And that's what Easter is about. And in a sense, we can't receive the new life at Easter unless we put aside the, the attachments that we have, the, un, 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 the attachment we have, might have to, to this life. And so that, that, that uh, prayer, remember that you are dust and unto dust you shall return, I think really puts us into the mood for, for, for Lent as a, as a time of preparation to receive the new life at Easter. And it's a wonderful emphasis of what we get through baptism, our baptism. We die with Christ, but to be born into new life, new and everlasting life, life that is not limited uh, to, uh, to here on earth, but to be eternal and to be with God. So that is really this, this wonderful vision. And I think the, the, the more traditional formula is per, perhaps uh, one I would favour because it, it connects with really where we're at in our lives. We realize that we are mortal. We realize that we are uh, destined to, to die. But through that, we also, and through recognizing that and through, it, through coming to terms with that, we better accept the new life of Easter that has already been offered to us in our baptism and which we will celebrate anew when Easter comes. The three practices that we have at Lent are, in a sense, there to help us in this. Fasting, uh, that is the, the first of them, it's really to remind us that we don't live on bread alone. We don't live on all that we get in this world. We depend on God and God's gifts. And the traditional notion of fasting was that it should be done together, not alone, but also that the benefits of your fasting, all that you could save up, wasn't to be saved for a rainy day or to, to buy some outfit, but rather to be given in alms to others. And fasting is about setting ourselves up in right relationship with, with ourselves and with others the almsgiving. And then prayer is the link between those two practices which sets our relationship at right with God. So really Lent is a time of making our relationships, repairing our relationships, or settling them into where they should be. The relationship with ourselves through fasting, the relationship with others through almsgiving, and the relationship with God through prayer. So it's really about finding our place in the world again and before God. So, Father, Father Luke, can I ask you a question there? Just, yeah. it's just an interesting comment you made at the start there about the, the fasting. You said we, sh we shouldn't do it alone. Uh, what, what exactly did you mean by that? Basically, the, the practice of Lent is a communal practice. And mm. it, it, 
households would fast together, and and the, it it wasn't that it was it wasn't that you you would have a competition to fast by yourself. So unless there was somebody sick in the house, the practice was that that it would the the, the limitation on the meal would be shared by all, and that there wouldn't be a separate diet for one and not for another. Mm. And and it's it's we we, we make the journey. Uh, to Easter as a church together, because mm. we're baptized into the church together, and there's this this idea of church as well. Also in, in the almsgiving, that we that the, what we what we save through our fasting, we we don't hold for ourselves, but we give to others and to those around us. I really think that this idea is lost today because many people mm. fast to become slimmer or fast to become uh, better looking. Uh, or fast for other purposes. True fasting is is really always looking out not just to oneself but to others, and and passing on benefits to others as well. It's it's an interesting point that you make because um, over the last number of years, I have I have lived in uh, majority Muslim countries, and obviously under Islam, um, there is they have a, a period of fasting as well, which is the, the season of Ramadan. And that's something that has struck me very much observing it as an outsider or as a visitor to those countries is that the the breaking of the fast, which is a which is a much tougher fast than we do. Um, there's there's no food, there's no drink for the entirety of the day from sunrise to sunset. Uh, but it's very it's very communal. Uh, you know, you will have families, you'll have communities that will come together to break the fast. Uh, the the iftar at the end of the day, and like you said as well, then like that, there's that echo as well of the alms giving, the the to 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 give to those that are not able, that are that are in need, and like you said as well, it's very much an outward, um, you know, and an add extra approach to the building of the relationships, you know, that you know the relationship is very much um, as you said, building relationship with community. And building the relationship with God, so it's just I think it's an interesting it's an interesting um, if you like interreligious comparison to make sometimes as well. But uh, yes. sorry, you were yeah you you were saying go on sorry you were saying there is also um, there's an early Christian document called the Didache, the teaching of the apostles, and this um, practice of fasting and prayer and almsgiving is already in the Didache, which is is was uh, contemporaneous with the Gospels. So, and in Antioch, it was written in Antioch around 90, uh, 90 AD. So it's very, very early. And we have already this, this practice of the prayer, fasting and almsgiving. And, and it's, so it's, it's very early Christian practice, but it's also found in Judaism as well. Mm. And this practice was taken from Judaism and, and Christianity and adopted by the Muslims. So maybe... We should relearn our own tradition from the Jews and the Muslims around us in, in terms of the practice that these practices of, of for for our faith, because they're they're inherently Christian practices and they're they, they go back right to the very beginning of Christianity. They're also in our gospels as well. Mm. And, and of so, course in an Irish in an Irish context, of course, uh, fasting was very much something that was associated with the early church in Ireland. And particularly with our early early Celtic saints in many respects. Absolutely, and we have a we have a, a very um, strong tradition from the early 
from the early, the early Irish church before the Normans would have arrived, we very much had that, that what I would call more Eastern approach um, to, to, the, um, to prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, mm. and the more collective approach. In fact, it, it's, it's more that it might have changed a little bit with the Normans and then more, much more with the Enlightenment and with the Reformation. Um, but the, uh, so I suppose for, for listeners, um, I think the, 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 the other emphasis I would like to make about, about Easter, one was that it's a, a, we remember our baptism. And of course, what is baptism but being, being dying and rising Christ? So it's the death and resurrection of our Lord, which we celebrate at uh, Easter, which is the which is the kernel of our faith, but which is also into which we are baptized. So, so Easter is, is will be a passage for us from death to life, and to prepare for that, we have this long period of Lent, which, which is really a gift to us, and we don't have all that many Lents in our lives. We only have a limited number, but it is a privileged time. And there's a lovely line from the prophet Hosea and where God speaks of Israel as being unfaithful and having gone after other gods. And he says, I will lure Israel out into the desert. I will woo her once again back to me. And this period of Lent is a time for us to allow ourselves to be wooed back to God. And there are lovely readings at this time of year just to allow ourselves to be wooed back to God and to find that we are, there's an open embrace, uh, a warm bosom ready to receive us. That reminds me of uh, a, a number of years ago, we had Father Michal Liston on the program. And uh, Father Michal, like, you, like, you're, like you're doing on today's program, Father Luke, he gave us a reflection on uh, Lent. And he used a wonderful expression. He said, the joyous season of Lent, which, or the joyful season of Lent, which isn't something, I suppose, that many people would associate with Lent. And you're after reminding us there, of course, again, that it is leading up to um, that, that great joy at Easter, and particularly for, for the resurrection, and the reminder to us that it is, it's, it, it's an opportunity, as you said, to, to rediscover, to take the time out to rediscover our relationship with God over, over the 40 days. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this particular section of the program, so we have to take a break, Joe. Is that not so? That's right. Now, at this particular stage, uh, we have to go for a bit of music, have a break, and then come back. And Father Luke's going to stay with us because we're going to continue to uh, with the program and, and continue to read and reflect on the Word of God in the Gospel for today. But in the meantime, uh, this bit of music will play to go out this section. It's by Emmanuel Community, and this one is entitled The Lord is My Light. So let's hear this. Fall on 